Kanye is also just like so self-obsessed and calls himself such a great artist, but I think he backs it up in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm kind of some fine with someone if they're an asshole if I believe personally that they have some right to be that egotistical, which yeah. I think Kanye does because I think he's has been a musical genius even yeah. if he's not the pedigree that he thinks he is. Right. Yeah, it is kind of wild that Kanye West claims to be the greatest living artist when Timothy Chalamet walks the earth. And they've met. They have and hung that, out multiple times. That blew my mind. Who else said that? It was Timothy Cuddy. Because that's the connection. Because Timmy's a Kanye huge Cuddy and Pete fan. Davidson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. But like several different times it's been like Kanye included as well. Yeah. Because there's been several pictures from different times. Yeah, because Cuddy so Timothy like kind of was like publicly talked about how much he liked Cuddy. Which makes sense. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. You this is your area. You you're the the rap expert. Which makes sense to me because like so many of me and my classmates, like millennials, look up to Kid Cuddy as that person who was putting out albums that grew us up, grew with us at the exact same time in high school, um, and were like really filled with a lot of emotion, but like accessible, which was so key, obviously, in high school. Kanye did too. Mm-hmm. Um so when Timmy was like talking about how he looks up, it just made so much sense because I've heard that same conversation from like close friends of mine. Right. And of course, Cuddy is just like an amazing person. Mm-hmm. I believe in him as a person as well as an artist. So of course he was like, well, Timmy is a great actor and mm-hmm. I'm a fan of his. Let's be friends. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is just, it's too perfect. Right. So Timothy's talked a lot about, is, is it Man on the Moon? Mm-hmm. Is like the record he's talked a lot about? Man on the Moon 1 and Man on the Moon 2 are both like, I would say, classics. For people that like hip-hop. Okay, yeah. I So I'm very aware of Kid Cudi as an artist. I don't know his discography as much as I know would know, like, Kanye. But mm-hmm. I have actually listened to more of his stuff knowing that Timothy Stan Cudi. And, like, yeah. it was just so cute when The King was premiering at Venice and, like, Cudi was there. And he was, like, Cudi was, like, rolling up in the boat. And Timothy was, like, hey. Like, oh, my God. It was I just know. so adorable. My heart was so happy at that moment. <laughs> Josh's worlds were colliding. Yeah, absolutely. And that is exactly why, Josh, you are a perfect guest for my podcast, Chasing Chalamet. Thank you. It's a bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, uh, Timothy Chalamet, torch bearer of the first degree, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar-nominated actor, Timothy Howe Chalamet. And on today's episode, as we have alluded to, we are going to be talking about David Michaud's 2019 historical drama, The King. We will be covering our thoughts, feelings, critiques, praise, maybe lack thereof, whatever we want to say about this Netflix joint. Um, We will discuss Timmy's performance and his role in the film. What function does he serve to the story? Is he cast well? What does his participation in this film bring to the table? And then on a scale from one to five peaches, we will together grade the film in different categories. The quality of the film, Timmy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, and this could get ugly because this is the bull cut movie, his hair. Uh, now that we have gotten that out of the way, I would love to introduce today's guest. As you heard in the intro, he is what I would consider to be a rap connoisseur, at least in in my life, because I I really do enjoy rap. But but our guest today really really knows his stuff when he's talking about it. He loves the NBA. He loves Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If and when you follow him on Twitter, that is the kind of good content you can look forward to hearing. It's Josh Elder. Thank you. Hi, Josh. That was a, an amazing introduction. I don't not deserving of it. <laughs> you no, you 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 very much deserve it because following you on the internet, the three things I can say about you are: you like rap, you like Buffy, 
and you do like sports. Mm-hmm. I basically just have Twitter so I can talk about Buffy and, and the NBA when people don't actually want to listen to a real person. Has so. bu- like Cuddy and Timothy meeting, has Buffy ever crossed over with the NBA or rap in a way that is meaningful to you? So Nicki Minaj incorporated a Buffy lyric. Did she? Yeah, on her like last album okay. at some point. Yeah, I can't remember which song it was, but I was in a Buffy group on Facebook and I definitely shared that and was like, this is so awesome. And I think... Most of the other fans who are a little bit older were like, okay, <laughs> didn't really care that much about it. So Josh, I introduced you as liking those things specifically. Is there anything else you would like the listeners to know about you before we embark on this adventure together? I think those are the important things. Those are the important things. Mm-hmm. I would say the other important thing is, so I've had many friends on this show. I've had many colleagues and you know people who enjoy pop culture, people who enjoy film. But you might be the first person other than Connor Riley who really loves Timmy. Like you have an appreciation for Timmy that even though I think a lot of our friends appreciate him as an actor, you would, I I would say of everyone you stand him. I don't want to say in the same way that I do, but in a similar, in a similar shade more, more than others. Right. No, absolutely. I love him. I think he is both beautiful and incredibly talented and (laughs) you think the same thing. Yes. Just in slightly different ways. Sure. Exactly. Um, You also have the distinct honor of being the, only the third straight man to be on the show. So congratulations. Cool. Awesome. Um, and I do really... We're not in enough things, you know. So right, exactly. Important. I, I, I want to make sure that your representation is mirrored uh, in the same way that you are represented in society. So from now on, Chasing Child May will exclusively host only guests that are straight white men. Wow, so thoughtful. You heard it here first. Progress. <laughs> um, I couldn't be kidding less. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really love that you as a straight identifying man have such an appreciation for him just because, you know, I think in the, the Timothy Stan community, it tends to be a lot of young women and in gay men, at least from my perspective. So I think you bring a much needed, a much needed uh, diversity, si- diversity. Exactly. <laughs> the, this is the one situation in which straight men are bringing diversity to a group of people. So thank you for your service, Josh. I'm so happy to be here and to be able to talk about this film. Yeah. It was funny. I remember you reaching out and I think you reached out and said something about like, yeah, like down the line, like if you ever want me to be on the show, like I'm totally down. I'd be like, Josh, of course I'm going to have you on the show. Like, I just wanted to put myself out there. I didn't no. know. Cause I have not seen all of his films. Sure. I will say that I have not seen all of them. So I didn't know, like if you get to a certain point and be like, okay, now we need somebody who can fill in this. Yeah. Moment. Well, can I let you in on a little secret? Sure. A lot of his films are not worth watching. I know, which I didn't even know <laughs> until I was listening to the episodes and I was like, oh, so maybe I won't check this out. Yeah. No, there there are many that I do not recommend people watch unless they are like me, like Timothy Chalamet completionist. Like right. I, I really love that I've watched his whole filmography because I'm very just interested in like his journey as an actor, mm-hmm. but I can in no way, shape or form be like, you should watch one and two for that film. What I was thinking about. Yeah. It's but a, it's a nothing movie. It's a nothing. To movie. be fair, I would watch it for his performance. Um, and you also like Kieran and Shipka. Yes. I so, really do. So yeah. I would watch that just to see them like play off each other. Right. But yeah, you can watch it for free. It was not giving a rousing endorsements. By you and Katie, so no. I am not leaning in that direction anytime soon. But if you did text me and you were like, Dane, I just like little bowl, I'm I'm just having like a Timothy Kiernan moment. Mm-hmm. Should I watch it? I'd be like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. it's not so terrible that I would tell you not to watch it. It's mm-hmm. just it, it's not like a 
you know, if you think of life being short and we only have so much time to watch so many movies, I wouldn't say it's like it's not. I mean, it's not men, women, and children. No, it's not. It's not worst trends. But most movies aren't. (laughs) Most movies that I've seen aren't that bad. But I think it's also important what you and Katie drew upon, which is just like this was an important stepping stone for them in their careers. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, I can see myself circling back around and just making sure that I've seen it, just to see that trajectory and like where it's come from. Exactly. Um, But that being said, you've kind of seen like. The Call Me By Your Names, The Lady Birds, The Beautiful Boys. Like, oh, wh- what else have you seen of his? So I had never seen Miss Stevenson before, before you actually put the episode up. Okay. And then I, like, listened to it and was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Yeah. And, like, actually really enjoyed the film. Mm-hmm. So I think that's happened with a couple different ones. I would actually have to take a look at the list to remember which ones. Mm-hmm. But I think I have not seen one or two. I have not seen Love the Coopers. Yeah. I mean, just save it. Christmas is coming. That's true. Or save it for Dane's in- inevitable Love the Coopers party. I want nothing more than to screen that movie It somewhere. is on my list of Christmas movies that I'm going to try this year. Because I actually didn't know that it existed before the episode came out. Which I think is what's great about this. Is I can always I, tune in and be like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. now I have some context I, for I a film I saw that, that Sweet Baby seen. in theaters. Oh, did you really? Mm-hmm. Josh, Did that's... you regret it? I didn't regret it, but I had questions. <laughs> Christmas movies, like... I have a low bar for some Christmas movies. They just want to make me feel good. Well, Josh, I was going to say, I neglected to introduce you in the sense that you love Christmas. I That's do. another like defining thing about I you. do. It can be a little aggressive sometimes. You love Christmas. <laughs> I do. You love Christmas. You love Buffy. You love the NBA. And you love rap. Mm-hmm. And you love Timothy Chalamet. See, I, I think you have defined me better than I could myself. I think those those are the... the, the if, if we're looking at the mm-hmm. inside out... If we're looking into your mind, yes, those are those are the per- like the islands of personality Absolutely. for Josh Elder, and I I love that. Yeah, that is one of the reasons why you and I, uh, former guests Katie Dively and Mike Horky, and our beloved editor and producer Will, schlepped it to Highland Park, Illinois, on a Tuesday night in October to the one theater in this area that was playing the king. Tis true. And that is what we did. And I will say this, to give this, I think it is needed <laughs> context. I was very sick at the time. Um, I was not feeling well, and it was late, and we were getting there. So I think some of my, perhaps, disappointment with the film ha- comes from like the context sure. as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Th- like, that is just something that I don't think we think enough about. Like I think about how like if you have like a bad theater experience because somebody is talking mm-hmm. or it's a weird crowd and they don't like a, they don't get it like that like colors your experience Absolutely. of the film and yeah like I would say like we like had to like drive to Highland Park it was a very empty theater yeah. there was one there person in there people. there was one person there who eight left in the middle people. yeah and didn't even come back and there was a couple there and I don't bl- no offense Will I don't believe that couple enjoyed how much you were laughing at some of the things because <laughs> there true. are the, this movie's you know, and we're gonna get to the, we're gonna get to our favorite Intended, tw- intentional and not. We're going to get to 2019's best comedy, The King, here in a little bit. Oh yeah, I remember like <laughs> during the movie, I knew you were like blowing your nose at points, but you kept looking like you were eating something, and I all I knew that you had were tissues, so I was like, he's not eating tissues. And then it we get in the drops. car after, it was cough drops. and I was like, I was like, Josh, what were you eating the whole movie? And you were like, I was eating cough drops. Oh yeah, my throat was killing me. And I was like, dang, you casually thought I was just ingesting these like used tissues? I didn't want to assume anything. <laughs> We've watched enough reality TV. There are weirder things. Yeah. That's true. For, for the listeners at home who may not know, Netflix doesn't have, like, a film distribution deal with, like, major theaters like your Regals. Well, I don't believe with Regal. You would know, Will. You go to Regal they, more. I think they have 
an agreement to release some things. Okay, but but not, not everything. Not a wide release and not at major markets such okay. as AMC, which is so AMC takes no Netflix code. movies. Yeah. So Regal might take some. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only theaters that I know that play Netflix movies are Landmark. I assumed The King was mm-hmm. going to come to the, the Landmark that we have here Definitely. in the city. So I kept waiting for it to be kind of like announced mm-hmm. for there. They had the laundromat. Yeah, they, they had the fucking laundromat. subpar motion picture. Yeah, they, that's where I saw Roma... No, they've released multiple Netflix I'm, movies there. I'm still there. surprised the Music Box didn't screen it. Yeah. But I think it's because they're still screening yeah. Joker. Right. <sighs> I haven't seen Joker. I, I haven't either. I just, yeah. Will did not like Joker. So, yeah. I So then we, like, saw it was going to play in Highland Park. And I remember when we, like, when Will and I were, like, talking about how we were going to see The King, we were like, well, we're not going to go up to Highland Park to see it. And then that was, like, the only place they were going to play it. And we're like, mm-hmm. fuck, we got to go to Highland and Park. These are, these are the sacrifices we make for you, dear listener. Yeah. When you reached out and, like, told me where it was, I was like, oh, okay. I'm relatively new to Chicago, still within the first two years of living here. And so I looked up where it was. I was like, is that – does Metra get out there? I mm-hmm. don't really know. It does. How. So I, I reached out to you and was like, so how we get in there? Yeah. I don't have a car. Yeah. Which is not a problem in Chicago unless you're leaving Unless you're going Chicago. to Highland Park. <laughs> right. Which that was why, luckily, former guest, good friend, Katie Dively, has a car here in the city. She offered to drive. Very nice of her. Absolutely. So we all we all went up to the mm-hmm. King, uh, and Mike came. Um, I think he's always down to see a film. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mike will see anything. For sure. So that is the, that is the way in which we saw the King. So yes. let's jump in and talk about the King, because I, I, I'm very excited for this Oscar season because I was very excited for the king because it's just it's a movie that we haven't seen him in before we haven't seen him in this like historical drama before yeah I mean the only thing close would be hostiles Hostiles, right exactly and it's not it's a different kind of I mean obviously Mm -hmm. it's like the 1800s America and this is like 16th century England Shakespearean times is I think it's 15th century is it 15th okay Henry V reigned in the early 1400s. So, yes, it's the 15th century. We haven't seen him in that context before. I sure. We haven't seen him in a suit of armor before. We haven't really seen him, like, I, you know, I've, Dune obviously will probably get more into this, but we haven't seen Timothy Chalamet action star. We, we and I would argue we, we still haven't. Seen haven't. Him with an accent. Exactly. Yeah. So, this is just a very new, mm-hmm. it, everything's new here. So, I, I was very excited for for that i i was so i was really looking forward to this movie i am i was not looking forward to it as much as i'm looking forward to ladybird but that's kind of an unfair comparison because little women i'm sorry ladybirds greta gerwig's little women is what i'm meaning to say whenever right. i say ladybird no worries um yes i was i'm very much looking forward to little women but even though i'm looking forward to that he's still a supporting character in that and this is like his movie like he's on the poster he's top billing like he's the poster he's the king so and I was really looking forward to it because I love the whole medieval thing mm-hmm. and I'm big into fantasy, but also anything that takes place with knights in shining armor mm-hmm. and like royalty, I'm always down. So this was kind of perfect for me as well because mm-hmm. I was looking forward to seeing him in a film that I probably would have watched anyway. Right. Yeah. And even though if this hadn't opened in Highland Park and we hadn't gone, it would have been perfectly fine to watch this on netflix like oh, yeah even though i appreciate the film going experience and i i wish i could see everything i mean there is something inherently 
cheaper to me about sitting at home and watching something. Like well, I watched mm-hmm. the laundromat here mm-hmm. and I could pause it when I wanted to. I could look at my phone when I wanted to. When I'm in a the theater, I don't do that. So even if right. I'm not liking the movie, I'm still forced to engage with it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see this in a theater because I wanted to have that experience. Absolutely. I didn't want to be distracted by what you can be distracted by when you're watching something and, at home. And also it's tuned very dark. Yeah. Like if you, when you're watching this at home, you should turn the lights down. Right. And not watch it like during the day. But yeah, right. like this, this is like a movie that was, I don't want to say meant to be seen in a theater. I don't know. It's, I liked, I, I enjoyed the movie, but I can't say with the benefit of hindsight that it was worth us journeying to Highland Park on a week. Well, it's, for. it's entirely <laughs> worth us doing that so that we can do this. That is entirely that's, that's the true. Reason to do this. Yes. And I agree. I definitely wanted to see it in theaters with you. Yeah. So like even now where I'm like, okay, the movie didn't live up to my, what I think were actually high expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still glad that we did that. Cause at the time I was like, Oh, I want this to be like an actual movie going. Mm-hmm. Right. Experience. So now that you've seen it, now that you've experienced mm-hmm. the King, what are your general thoughts on the movie? I was a little disappointed. I think some of that probably became, came from, like I said, my high expectations. Mm-hmm. This just fits so perfectly into, to what I love, mm-hmm. which is that period drama about knights and everyone's like fighting to for succession mm-hmm. and for power. I just I really love that. I love the costumes, which I actually did think were very good, including yeah. the they're, armor, they're yeah. which resembled a lot of the armor that I've seen in different um, history museums in Spain and Italy and mm-hmm. Austria, which always have that like bulge out at the bottom so that they can sit on a horse and their thigh is protected. So I was surprised by some of like the accuracy within that, but just the overall story was pretty plotting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I still don't know if I think that the ending was supposed to be a reveal. So the twist at the end did kind of have this like, Oh, like from the beginning, the strings were being pulled and this is what happened. And it all kind of gets revealed in that extended scene and with then we get about yeah. 10 15 more minutes right yeah so sean harris is like reveal that he was like manipulating him it just what had drawn him to timmy's character at the start was his level-headedness and him not being super hot-headed and jumping into something and then as soon as it there's an opportunity for him to push towards confrontation with france mm-hmm. um it's that ball delivery that present that he gets yeah and he pushes henry to like see it as an insult and a slight and that he should he should retaliate yeah Yeah. and i just that immediately stood out to me because i was like oh this is he wants this conflict to happen even though he originally liked him for his level-headedness yeah so the big reveal at the end i was like obviously he's been trying to manipulate him i think i what i enjoyed about the movie was kind of what you're saying like it it felt very visceral it felt very real like we i think we Mm -hmm. talked about a bit after we saw it like even though it didn't have like the glossy sheen and action of a Game of Thrones episode. Game of Thrones episode. Mm-hmm. The authenticity of the mm-hmm. fighting and the muddiness and the like, it was messy. It was a it was, messy fight. Yeah, fighting like this is messy. Right, and they're all like you know you 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 want to see like gorgeous fight choreography and like sleek camera shots and cuts and pans, but the reality is like. Everyone is wearing this heavy ass armor and beating on each other. Most of them probably don't really know what they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're beating on each other. They can probably barely see anything. Right. They're, they're weighed down by they're hungry. Exactly. Right. Like it's these people are gonna be clumsy. These people aren't going to be it's not gonna be ballet. Like I and I think I really enjoyed that. Like it seemed mm-hmm. it felt very visceral in that way. So I think I really appreciated that. Like I said, I really just appreciated seeing Timothy in a context that we really hadn't seen him before. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I was a little let down 
by the movie in general. And I think that kind of came from what you were saying a bit about this being a movie about succession. And it was funny when they were talking about all of that. Um, have you watched the HBO show succession? I have not. Okay. Will and I have. Mm. And when they said the, the word succession, I had that like twinge because there's a line in the movie where they say succession. See, I and thought I was, about it too. And I haven't even watched yeah, it. And I was like, Oh, well, and like, I think that kind of goes to what I thought this movie was missing a little bit, which is that I was, I'm missing that intrigue. Like I wasn't really drawn into like, who's going to ascend the throne. And maybe that's because I knew, you know, it's not a spoiler. Timmy ascends the throne. He's the king. He's the king. Like none of that surprised me, you know, in the beginning when he fights that guy for the first time and then it wins. And then there's literally like a throwaway line where they're like, Oh yeah, your brother went off and he got killed somewhere in some battle. Like it's, it's, I wish there was more of that. Like I, I almost feel like one of the faults of this movie is it is too tied to the text. Yeah. And they didn't do enough to update. I agree. I think the story itself might have been fine had they told it with a little bit more ingenuity mm-hmm. or interest. Yeah, I, well, I, I feel like Michaud and Edgerton's script was too faithful to the play. And it's right. it, it's such an amalgamation of the plays that it keeps certain things in that aren't necessary that add to the plottiness Good where point. you could add some element. Because in the plays, Hal goes from being playboy to being serious. Mm-hmm. And that you need give us a montage give us something to show how that has evolved mm-hmm. because him going from you know just being a drunk gadabout to becoming the king okay that loses that loses an emotional pull within the movie that's what the haircut was supposed to symbolize mm-hmm. <laughs> and i mean it is a difference between it is a difference very fun to very Serious, yeah, it's accurate for the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, no, yeah. Oh, no, I, 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 I'm not faulting. It's just that, <laughs> yeah, it's it is a change. We don't, we don't get that transformation, and we don't really get him grappling with the role mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, and the implications just, of his. He seems very comfortable being king. There's no heavy as the head that wears the crown mentality mm-hmm. to exactly. any of this. Like it's but really that just wasn't written in there. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. All that being said, I do feel like this mo- this movie had a very like lived in quality. Mm-hmm. Like it felt very historically. Like again, it, it this authentic. is kind of its mm-hmm. it, to its benefit and to its detriment. Is there what it felt very accurate? It felt yeah. very historical. It felt like filmed Shakespeare, which mm-hmm. it's very much you in that like hollow crown. Like exactly. Feel. Yeah, the crown is a really interesting comparison. Well, because the, the hollow crown, the PBS, BBC. Oh, like, not filmed Shakespeare. Not Netflix's The Crown, which chronicles the rise of Claire Foy. <laughs> yes, I mean, not Queen Elizabeth, but Claire Foy. But but I, I do think The Crown is an apt comparison because it is a historical drama that they turn in there. The fifth episode of The Crown, mm-hmm. where that fog infiltrates London. Yep is the most intriguing, suspenseful thing I've ever seen. And it is literally about the Great London Fog. Like, it's crazy. This movie doesn't have that. Like, there's nothing in this movie that I was, like, on the edge of my seat for. Like, I, even though I enjoyed a lot of it, even though I thought the battle scenes were well shot, even though I thought Timothy gave a really great performance. Mm -hmm. And I I think uniformly the performances were pretty good overall. We can get into that. Oh, for sure. Because I, I, even though I think we can all agree that there were some people who were great, I know there are some people who we didn't think were great, but I actually thought they were and we can talk about that. I thought they were necessary to like inject some life and mm-hmm. color. Well, so because we needed that because the plot didn't yeah. inject any... Yeah. There's so we're, no emotional manipulation we're, happening. We're all right. talking about Robert Pattinson as the Dauphin. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay, so let's go around the horn. <laughs> I fucking loved what Robert Pattinson did in this role. 
Like I really liked it too. And so actually I had to give myself some context. So I watched um, Good Time and I watched High Life mm-hmm. the day before we saw this because I was like, okay, I hear he's a good actor, but I haven't seen all of his smaller roles. So let me see mm-hmm. something. So I came into it being like, okay, I'm convinced now he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And this role was just more fun than it was like deep. But it was great for that because it injected that personality that we didn't see with a lot of other characters yeah. into it. And I thought we needed that. He seemed to be the oh. one actor that was like, oh, let's turn this on its head a bit. Like, yeah. let's mm-hmm. not let's not take this oh so seriously. And it's almost satirical in the way that he portrays this like, mm-hmm. young prince who's out to prove himself with aggression. Yeah. I thought it was when fun. I, and yeah. I also, I think that his portrayal is... I'm the prince who still gets to have fun and gets to be in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also then makes complete mm-hmm. sense when they finally face off and he can't even fucking stand up in the, like if, if he he's had right. been, so, he's, he's a soft boy. He's a very Being soft that he, boy. He's twice Timothy size. Right. But still, he's very soft boy. Exactly. He's all talk. Yeah. But I almost mm-hmm. wish that David Michaud had encouraged every single actor to do that to a degree, mm-hmm. not, you know, steal the show in the way that Pattinson is, but like, no even though Edgerton is a fine Falstaff, like why didn't he, like why didn't they find something different? And even though, again, and this is where I feel like it might get a little controversial because I believe, Will, you referred to her as being dead in the eyes. I really enjoyed Lily Rose's Depp. I'm going to call it a cameo. Was she even in that film? Well, okay. She comes in with maybe like, what, (laughs) 20 minutes left in the runtime? If that. If that. 15 minutes maybe. The whole movie, I'm like, Lily Rose Depp is in this movie. Like yeah, we know exactly. she's in this. This movie cannot be over until she's she I shows up. <laughs> yeah, sure. She's there. She it, she gets two two scenes. Two. They I meet and then it? it's like they're getting married and then yeah. that's the end of the movie. It's like a scene and a scene left. That being said, I really thought she was great. Like I thought it was a great one scene performance. Agreed. I, I like you really have to buy the intimidation that she kind of instills in Henry. I would say that just this moral backbone. Yeah. She's so clearly like, I know I have to do this, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I'm going to compromise who I am. Exactly. Like if, even though you can definitely pick apart the fact that she has the, uh, the female with the most screen time and the most character, and maybe aside the, from with the most French accent. Yes. <laughs> was that a slight on Lily Rose Depp? No, 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 that was watching the favor. movie. That's in her favor. Okay. That's against every Robert other. Pattinson. Yes. Robert Pattinson's <laughs> wheel of dialects. But Lily Rose sounded more French. Right. I guess yeah. we do meet we meet Robert Pattinson, we meet their dad, and we meet Lily Rose Depp, and they all come from very different French families. Yes. Someone did point out online, they were like, so we have the French guy playing an English guy and the English guy playing a French guy, meaning Pattinson and Chalamet. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny as well. Yeah, everyone is playing not their nationality. Right. Ben Mendelsohn is Australian. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Ben Mendelsohn being in this because he's also kind of... And he did a good job. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn Mendelsohn, was great. Ben Mendelsohn never does a bad job. He's always a great villain, Mm -hmm. which I guess would we call Henry IV? He's just not not a loving father. No. He's not a warm father. Well, they can't can't all be Mr. Perlman. He's got nipples on his arms. (laughs) That was very strange. It's... He had, he's covered in these sores from his disease mm-hmm. and they they look they look like like little I don't know Halloween makeup nipples <laughs> that are attached to his arm. Did he also have gout a la Olivia Coleman in the something favorite? Like that. Is that what he was doing? It's definitely something like that. Like the sedentary lifestyle just leads to and the time period. Yeah. It just leads to certain diseases well, they that just die. They just all just die. Lots of, of shit around wild you know, things. Cleanliness was not high priority. No, not at all. So 
I feel like we should talk about Edgerton a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's like, talk about he Edgerton. is he mm-hmm. is the second. He is the biggest supporting character in mm-hmm. the film, and he's. I think he does a very good job as Falstaff. He is. He's the most subdued, subtle Falstaff. Like I he, wish he was more lively. So I wish he was bigger. Yeah, as it, you guys, you guys maybe need to talk to me a bit about Falstaff because I, so I'm a little blind Fal- to what Falstaff is both literally and figuratively probably I, the biggest character in Shakespeare. Really? Yeah. Okay. He's explain to me why. I mean, he is he's comic relief. Okay. In the plays, and if you look at Chimes at Midnight, or- Orson Welles has really put the stamp on what Falstaff should be and he's so big and clowny about it because usually where did where did downright jovial play Falstaff what's that where did Wells play Falstaff and what in in the film chimes at midnight okay is that a film version of Henry the fourth it is an amalgamation so it's very similar to this film okay but you wouldn't call this a remake of that movie no 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 no, because it's a different just the treatment of the plot okay. is different. My, I guess my Shakespearean. So Times at Midnight is I have Falstaff story. Okay, um, more than Hal's story. Got it. So it's it's following Falstaff and Falstaff talking to the king and Falstaff with Hal and Falstaff with Henry V and okay. then Falstaff in battle as a as a duttering fool and then you know Falstaff's death and then everyone mourning Falstaff because mm-hmm. he was beloved by all and like. Wells wrote that script out of Shakespeare okay. and he directed it, but he's still when Hal is Hal Falstaff is, he's the Baloo. Like he's mm-hmm. this big, he's this big brother. Who's also this old man who's drunk, but he's also like a knight and a war hero mm-hmm. that he looks up to, but he's just goofy. Yeah. And he's I don't feel like life. I don't feel like they wrote Falstaff like that Agreed. for this movie. And that was something no. I thought was sorely missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You almost wish he would have like filled in the comic relief a bit in the same way that Pattinson was mm-hmm. honestly doing. And, and you get you get moments of that when he's just as a drunk man and when the landlady's trying to kick him out, but there's not uh, there's not a, a, a bevy of that mm-hmm. that kind of warmth, big brotherly energy. Yeah. And some of his jokes I felt fell flat sometimes too mm-hmm. where they were supposed to be funnier i thought they were going to be funnier and then i mean it's not that they were completely devoid of humor i just mm-hmm. i don't know they didn't hit for me the same way that i was expecting yeah them to. yeah i don't i didn't really i didn't really buy that falstaff was encouraging how to be a better man you know what i mean like mm. I, I didn't think like oh this is the person who's encouraging him to take up the mantle and to be the king no. I didn't buy that. Right. And I think that Henry brings him back because he he's lacking whatever input he had previously. But Falstaff isn't even around for Henry's r- rise, which is just a short period mm-hmm. of time in the film. Mm-hmm. But I kind of expected him to be along for it and not to be forgotten and then brought back. That well, that that is, I think that is part of the plays. Okay. And him coming back to Falstaff is realizing... I need right. I need to have someone who close who I can trust. Right, right, right. It just felt like when they were when they were telling it in the movie, it's like it, you actually felt that when mm. you brought him along to begin with. Yeah, but maybe that just is not the story, and it's not told that way. Should we Should we actually dis- discuss the the funniest moment in the movie? Please, um, let's talk about the Archbishop. <laughs> <laughs> the gay Archbishop. I don't. The lisping. I can't. 
I can't stop thinking about it. When that is I, the thing that I think about about this movie more than anything because it defies all logic. When I referred to the couple in the theater not enjoying Will and his laughter, I believe it was with every scene with the Archbishop. Because he talked like this <laughs> and ruling of France and the conquest of France. And it's it's just exaggerated. Like, I I don't see any reason why this had to happen because it takes these scenes that are about policy that are focusing on Henry the fourth and Henry the fifth. And you can't think about what he's saying because you're so mired down with how he's saying it. Yeah, no, that's true. It was very odd that they chose to portray the archbishop as uncle Albert from Mary Poppins. And, and then he's just presented so foppishly in his little cart, that his little beer, they carry him around, carry him around. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, don't go. Don't jostle me. I'll fall in the mud. Please carry me. Yeah, they did have that like scene where they're like all like marching through, and he's like he's being carried by like four men, Mm. and it's not even on like a chair. It's like he's he's like laying. He's in a like a wooden hammock. Yeah, it's like a wooden hammock with an um like an umbrella tent over it. He's getting jostled around so much anyway. I'm just like, dude, get on a horse. It's gonna be a similar experience. I want to see the actor who portrayed. I just don't understand the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time. I actually thought I was like, oh, whoever wrote this, um, so the director and, mm-hmm. and Edgerton, I think both of them, when I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, they really liked Princess Bride and mm-hmm. the scene <laughs> about Mowage. Yeah. I was like, they definitely liked that a lot. <laughs> well, in my, my first thought was History of the World Part 1 with the announcer at Caesars saying, Bicketh, Dicketh. <laughs> like, that's the same emphasis. Yeah. yeah. With a movie that should have had a little bit more like levity and humor to it. The two instances of humor were like very gargantuan over the top. Maybe involuntary or maybe voluntary. I can't really tell. And with a movie that's so invested in its realism. It's weird that they then chose to. It's weird that they chose to cast like that role in particular, but just the general coaching of dialects in the film is so scattershot. No one sounds like they're from the same place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And England's pretty small at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this camp of people is all from London. We shouldn't have these disparate dialects. We shouldn't have these disparate French dialects that are the same French family. That's that's the thing that I keep thinking about. Yeah. Because so many things are done in a in a really picture perfect way with mm-hmm. the costuming, with the setup with the cinematography it's a it's a beautiful film yeah and then we just have the way they talk right and we discussed a lot how it's a lot of different nationalities mm. like we've got timothy who's american we've got robert pattinson who's british we've got edgerton is australian yeah correct and so is Mendelssohn. thomas and mckenzie is from new zealand from new zealand mm. so lily rose depp is vaguely french american whatever right. johnny depp created i have no idea I, I just wonder if they're, they, they needed to do a better job wrangling all of those voice performances. And well, and, and I feel like the Australians, they, they hit it better. And I think at first, Timmy's accent was weird. Mm-hmm. Like there was a, a placement in it that sounded very, it didn't sound right. And I think he settled into this kind of like heightened stage Shakespeare mm-hmm. kind of talk. Yeah. Which was which yeah. is great. That, which is ideal. That fits better. Mm-hmm. But so many things just sounded like, why is this like 
this. I thought he his accent was pretty understated, mm-hmm. which worked to his benefit. Exactly. The once or twice where he slipped up, it just wasn't that. Which noticeable. which and then they say that like the heightened American stage Shakespeare is probably the closest to the way Elizabethan Shakespeare sounded. But yeah, certain things just didn't hit the ear right. Mm-hmm. We should discuss the costumes at some point because they were really. Oh good. yeah, yeah. No, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the costumes, and then I also I do want to give a brief shot. I thought that Nicholas Bertel's score was. Good. I wish there'd been more of it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. The the piece of scoring during the coronation scene. I thought that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the succession theme mm-hmm. for people who may or may not know. Which I have heard and he, almost convinced me just by listening to it that I should watch. And it should. And it should. He's also he also did the score for Moonlight and um, mm-hmm. If Feel Street Could Talk, which are both beautiful scores. I wish he had more of what he did in those scores. Yeah. Well, I, he was announced very late as doing the score for this movie, and there isn't a lot of score in the movie, so mm-hmm. I just kind of wonder if it was a, like, hey, can you kind of come in and do, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of score, and thanks. Right. Um, but what he did do, I thought, was very, very good. Um, but, yeah, costuming. So the robes that they, like, dressed Timmy in um, in several different parts seemed for me to be either, like, dark or... Or they were like white or cream. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very interesting because when they dressed him in dark, it very much focused on his face. And you do get to see a lot of his face because there's not a lot of hair in between Mm -hmm. anymore, (laughs) which I think is a positive way of looking at the haircut. (laughs) Um, And so I really liked that framing of him, especially since some of them, the robes, you know, it ties around the neck, but then it kind of free falls after Mm -hmm. that. So really like diverts your attention directly to his face. It's, it's like a, it's like a head, it's like, it's like a bust on a pedestal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then when he's wearing something white, I think it very much draws to his eyebrows and his dark hair up top. Yeah. Which I kind of liked. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It really like brought out like the angles in his face. You know, I, I know that we'll, we'll grade hair later, but we can talk about the hair in the sense that it was necessary in the sense that you had, I, mm-hmm. I thought the hair was a very good way of distinguishing Hal from Henry. Mm-hmm. Like that really worked for me. And Whether no you... other way to show that transformation. Physically. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, y- yes, you, you, we have shots of him like partying. We have shots mm-hmm. of him like hungover drunk. We have shots of him like betting women, but like that, we I, none of those coronation or battle scenes would have played the same. Like even in the beginning, the first time he fights, he kind of has the longest touch, the shoveled hair. And we mm-hmm. still see kind of, a boy becoming a man. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I think later in kind of the climactic battle sequences, I really enjoyed his performance. I feel like he fully came into the king Mm -hmm. of the titular king, you know, like his, his reign began in that moment. So I think that the haircut really punctuated that transformation well. And I think the haircut is a result kind of for that time period is a result of the church. And, Mm -hmm. and I think it's necessary for him to think more of the church because that's part of his role as king. Um, and so for me, it definitely looked like the church approved haircut that he had to endure mm-hmm. in order to be king. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially as the son of an usurper, you're you're not really granted divine right. You've grasped it. So you're mm-hmm. really at the you're mercy. at the mercy of the church. Yeah. And that's you something know, I didn't until know. We got a couple of Henry's down the road <laughs> and then we kicked the church to the curb. <laughs> I didn't realize that Henry the fourth was a usurper. Mm-hmm. So he stole I think yep. it is mentioned in the film. Yeah, that yeah it is. Um, yeah. But is it, did they ever? Do we know like the reasoning behind? I'm assuming that's what Henry the Fourth and Part One and Part Two yeah. deal with a bit. I'm sure. I don't know. Was there, know. it was Richard before that? I think. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I, don't I think know Richard because either. that's who Falstaff fought for. Oh, Falstaff fought for Henry the Fourth's adversary. 
I mean, he's the king. He would fight for the king until you oh. got a new king. And then once they got a new king, he's like, okay, I'm on your team now. Well, you have to be. See, I wanted more of that intrigue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of the... Mm-hmm. We needed, Fair. frankly, we needed more beheadings. Yeah. The, uh, and the beheadings we got came very quick and very fast. Like, the mm-hmm. scene was fine. I thought it was really well shot. But, like... It was I, startling. I genuinely, like, yeah. for a second, was like, wait, who's getting beheaded? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. They were, like, his cousins? I, I honestly, like, I couldn't even... the bird? Yeah. I have no idea. I was very confused. I was like, and oh. then the way they shot it, like right down the side, mm-hmm. and you see I mean, it. you see the entire thing, but then it like cuts away yeah. right after you've seen it. So yeah, overall, I have to respect a lot of the filmmaking here oh, yeah. and a lot of the attention to detail, but it's a it's one of those cases in which it's it's not as good as the sum of its parts. Oh yeah, it's, I totally agree. It doesn't with that. all come together at the end in a very kind of interesting, fascinating way. Yeah, it's it's like fine enough, and I I think with a less charismatic watchable lead i it, it would not have been worth the trip to highland park let alone a trip to your couch to watch on netflix unsurprisingly i totally agree with that i yeah. think that he really drags what i think would have been like a two out of five film to like a three out of five film yeah based on his yeah. performance right because he is just such a like watchable charismatic and he, actor. Se- he sells the points that he really needs to sell yeah like the few scenes where he gets to be very emotional and reactionary. Mm-hmm. I think he just nails those. Yeah. Well, so before we jump too much into performance, let's talk about his role in the film and kind of his casting, which I, I think is really interesting because obviously he plays the king. It's the titular role, and we've mentioned he nails it. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested in like his casting in this film because this is kind of like... So if you think about, you know, as we've talked about a lot on the show, you know, 2017 is his breakout year. 2018 he really only had beautiful boy and he'd already shot beautiful boy so that was kind of just coming down the pipe Mm -hmm. this is kind of like with with the king and with you know for the forthcoming little women this is really the like they were casting timothy chalamet the movie star absolutely so i think that is kind of what's interesting to dig into dig into here with this is like and i and you know i've kind of said it i i really enjoy whether the result kind of you know was worth it in the end i really enjoy him doing this kind of movie Mm because it just feels so different from what we've seen before no, I definitely think that they got what they paid for, too. I think they were like, we need a strong lead mm-hmm. who's going to convince us of this story. And I think he came in and did just that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, regardless of the fact that he is American, you know, he has this European descent. Mm-hmm. He he fits. He looks like he belongs. He is an actor who, like, he looks like he belongs everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. he he makes, you know, I feel, I feel like, you know, people kind of always make well, the I joke. I think that angular face yeah. helps a right. lot with that. Oh, 100%. But I, it's funny that people kind of make the jokes about, you know, oh, like, Keira Knightley's always in a corset. Like, she only does historical movies because, you know, that's what she looks like. I, it is interesting that Timothy looks at home mm-hmm. in 15th century England. He looks at home in 1980s Italy. He looks at home in the early 2000s and late. Like, he always fits into where he needs to be, which is why I think he's such, like, a Versatile. safe... He's such a yeah. safe casting choice. I mean, obviously, his talent makes him a safe casting choice because he's going to bring his all to the film. Mm-hmm. But he isn't an actor who is pinned down by his, like, look. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Agreed. Like, I I would even kind of venture to say, like, has Lucas Hedges done, like, historical? I don't really think. Like, Manchester by the Sea was present day. Mid-90s, I guess, mm-hmm. was the night. Like, I just, I, I don't know if, like, Lucas Hedges would have flourished in this role. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see, or, or like, Ansel Elgort. Like, I don't see him doing no historical. I can't. I mean, I can't I really see that either. Lucas Hedges films to really. Okay, I'm just kind of naming think, his contemporaries. But yeah, well, I'm right. just thinking Lucas is such a a twenty four like a light mm. like a light featured boy. Yeah, I think Ansel would only work 
physically. Yeah. Ansel would only work if this were the King Knight's Tale edition, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. You know, totally fine. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, think that's also probably happening. That would like, be, that's probably in production right now. This movie could have used a little Knight's Tale energy. I have one qualm about the casting with is, Timothy. Yeah. Okay. I think. Don't they, say that. Like you don't need to be no, afraid. No, this I'm, is a safe I'm, space. I'm not afraid. I don't um, make this podcast just for the stands. This is a, <laughs> this is a film discussion podcast. We, we make Will. this together. I, I think we could have done with some fewer hand to hand combat scenes with him mm-hmm. because he doesn't look like he can pick up a broadsword. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we needed those scenes. I think the energy that he brought around it was good, mm-hmm. but still seeing it, you're like, this is does not look like a strong boy. I and did for sort someone of who we wonder. see shirtless a lot. It yeah. really drives in that he's not big. That mm-hmm. is fair. Yeah. Like there's no the movie doesn't hide that at all. So to see him in armor, weighted down, picking up a broadsword just feels I can't see this happening. Mm-hmm. I thought they had to prove to us that he was a survivor, mm-hmm. a winner. And so those scenes that we got, I thought we needed them because I was like, How is this little guy gonna yeah. be? Yeah. So then when he does, and it's resources and luck as well, because that's just how mm-hmm. tenuous fighting was right. at that right. time. Like, I personally, I enjoyed that. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I feel like this is decided now. But I, I totally understand. Yeah. yeah, I see both sides here, because I, I definitely agree with you, Josh, that I think kind of like his swagger, for lack of a better term, really kind of sold mm-hmm. me where I kind of doubted that he could maybe do that. But I will say... I was kind of looking for where the cuts were going to come because that's a full suit of armor. That mm-hmm. could have very much not been him under there. It yeah. could have been a stunt double. I have no idea. And there's nothing that really, except for that long shot where he has his, I almost feel like they chose to put his helmet up in that long shot because they wanted to show it was yeah. actually him, which I think is a smart, mm-hmm. like, even though you'd have the, why the fuck would you put your helmet up? You're going to get a fucking sword. in the like right. for a film, you need to see that that is the actor that is there. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. Will. where, you don't see him on a red carpet or in the movie or anywhere and think that is a guy who can pick up a broadsword. Yeah. But I agree. Well, he also, even within the realm of the film, like that first, the first fight scene where he kind of establishes his dominance, it's, it's not as one by cunning. Like he's not been practicing. He's not working towards this. Mm-hmm. Like he's been fooling around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. So he's, he can just jump in and yeah. grab a sword and go. And he's in kind of like, as we were saying before, his father is a usurper. Mm-hmm. They kind of are favoring his brother before he kind of steps back in the picture. He's only really there by luck and happenstance. Yeah. So it's kind he of only showed up to, to prove a point. Yeah. It's kind of nice that like, we didn't have like a Liam Hemsworth type kind of like mm-hmm. roll in. And it's yeah. like, Oh, he just looks right. ready to be King. And I will say this. I don't think he shows up just to prove a point. I do think that we get to see that there is a moral mm-hmm. side to him when he shows up and he was like, we're going to do this one-on-one so we... we well, can- yeah, but he's proving a point to be like, brother, you are making the wrong move. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah I have fair. To, I'm, I'm here to make this right so that I win. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that is... It is purely strategic. Mm-hmm. And he's lucky that it worked, but it also right. it didn't work because his brother fought everybody and then he mm-hmm. died. Yeah. Dumb little brother. That's true. Dumb little Tommen. Dumb Tommen. (laughs) Yeah. And as I said earlier, they kind of just unceremoniously like cut him out of the movie. Like later they're like, oh yeah, he went to fight. He died. I definitely thought we were going to get at least an on-screen death, but yeah, 
It was very – yeah, it, for knowing who was in this movie and then when they came in and when they left this movie very much took me by surprise. Agreed. To the point that some of it didn't need to happen. Yeah. There definitely could have like, – and, and mm. we've talked about this a bit. I think a lot of our issue with the film kind of comes down to Edgerton and Michaud's script mm. because not only could it have used a little kind of, you know, 20th century, 21st century finessing, it could have used – a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. It, it just needs a clear plot. Yeah. It doesn't know what direction it wants to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, does it want to be a succession drama? Does mm-hmm. it want to be historical? Like, it's, I think it, it definitely, I mean, you know, you haven't seen Parasite yet, right? No, Josh? I have not. Okay. I'm seeing it tomorrow, actually. Okay, well, w- once you can see it. I'm so happy for you. You will see a movie I'm that very deftly has five different tones and balances mm-hmm. them extremely well. Okay. This is a movie that does not balance its right. tones well. It doesn't, there's not enough even distribution between the succession plot and the historical plot and the action. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of just kind of thrown, thrown about yeah. and not in a not very kind of concise way. So all that being said, Timothy's performance, Will, you've expressed that you weren't, but it seems like you, you take more issue with the voice coach than oh I think well, I or think, the dialect coach I suppose oh I think his I think his performance is good and I think the dialect in the beginning was just it was it disappeared very quickly mm-hmm. like his dialect wasn't the one that bothered me yeah so. whose was oh sweet sweet Robert oh so- <laughs> he he has just moments where he just ventures into every romance language yeah. <laughs> Including his mother tongue of English. Do you think that David Michaud was just like scared and he's like, I'm just gonna let him do it. He saw good time and he's like, I'm just not gonna do it. He saw good time. He saw good time. David Michaud saw a rough cut of the lighthouse and he's just like, I, okay. (laughs) I'm just gonna let him go. I really enjoyed Timothy's performance. I think that, again, it's it's just not something we've seen him do before. And I've never seen him in a, like a, in a yelly role. Yeah. Like, we we talked about this a bit after we saw it. His like battle rallying speech is great. Yeah, I thought it's, he sold it. It's so good, and just when you think about and then you know it, this plays into the character as well. It's just like this young, inexperienced, recently ascent. Like they needed an actor who could perform that yeah. monologue mm-hmm. and convince an entire army of, as we mentioned before, starving, probably you know little trained to little you know technically adept yeah like, like exactly that. like you needed this this man to deliver the speech and like watching that and then that shot where they send in the kind of the first battalion and then he kind of leads the second charge like mm-hmm. i just really bought all of that like Same. i and you know we talked a bit about just the fact that he just he, he is a charismatic lead of a movie yeah. like you just you kind of follow him wherever he goes even you know, if the movie isn't kind of up to par, the kind of the same with Beautiful Boy. Like, you in that movie, you care about what's going to happen yeah. to him because he's such a, a sweet, small little cherub, and you want to kind of be there. And then this movie, he's <laughs> he's you know he's such a, a a powerful kind of like force force. And I was gonna say he's a bit of like a, I'm trying to think of the, the shortened way to say this. Like you know when you see like a a downed electrical cable and it's kind a live of wire a live wire that's it well this is this is the this is why will's the editor he takes yeah. what i'm trying to say and he gives me <laughs> the shortened so version smart. he's a live wire well this is this is the first time we've seen him really externalizing his emotions yeah that's a great like point. everything else has I... been kind of angsty and like introspective 
when this I, is his wordiest role. Like he's he even though he has a lot of dialogue in Call Me by Your Name, like he's performing Shakespeare monologues here. He's yeah. not like, Call Me by Your Name. He's and not he has, speaking his mind. Yeah, exactly. He all has subtext. No difficulty delivering that very rich and ornate mm-hmm. prose. Yeah, this is almost where we see like Timothy Chalamet the stage, which makes sense. It's Shakespeare, mm-hmm. like the stage actor come out yeah but going back to what you said i think that it's very important about emotion because a lot of this film he's indecisive and distrusting and trying to figure out how to be this new how to be the king and so he's only given a few moments and opportunities to be like very outwardly emotional um and i think in order to really believe in the character you have to believe in those moments and he nails them including that speech Mm -hmm. he just it's all this anger but also purpose that just comes pouring forth and you really feel that and that makes you believe in the character yeah i also really as i i kind of alluded to before i really enjoyed his scene with lily rose depp i just thought that she was such like a like a a wall for him to hit Mm -hmm. and i just really enjoyed and to know that then they sparked this relationship Mm -hmm. like it just kind of want to see more of them together yeah i know i did too (laughs) like i i i mean that was kind of a, a disappointment of the movie that you know, you can't really control just because you didn't know, but you, I thought she was just going to be in, in more, which I guess doesn't make sense because she's the Dauphin's sister and like, they weren't going to meet until after he defeated him, but you right. just, yeah. you kind of were led to believe it was going to be more of a relationship that we saw progress. But from what we got, I just really enjoyed, I enjoyed like the, the, the wall he hit. They could have, I mean, they could have written it in a way so that she was around. Yeah. She could have been in camp with her brother. Yeah. She could have been, present with her father right in his royal nightgown we could have had a, a whole scene where they are talking about the fact that you know if god forbid mm-hmm. the dauphin dies and you know she has to marry him like that was something that she'd have to confront and mm-hmm. we would have seen like a but i do like that there's kind of this like reveal of like we see her and she's kind of not talking and then when they finally do speak like there's you know kind of all this like oh like shit there's this like strong like i'm not i'll be your wife but i'm not going to respect you you have to earn like that is a nice surprise Mm -hmm. but then you are just disappointed about how little she is in the movie right i think personally i also wanted to see more of them together to see like their natural chemistry given Mm -hmm. the context of some of the outside of the film stuff yeah um so that was probably like selfishly i just oh yeah that too (laughs) right well there are lots of photos of them making out on yachts in the mediterranean if you do want to experience their chemistry which (laughs) Very, very disappointing for you <laughs> on a personal <laughs> level. I'm not one of those like crazy stands. That's no, like, I know. Oh, I don't want her him dating anybody. If I can't like, have him. No one can. have. Yeah. I mean, good for him. <laughs> good for him. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's they've become a meme. They did become a meme. I'd be more angry if it was a guy. Oh, if, yeah. If, it, if, that, if that was happening with um, God, who, who's like the person I would be the most like, what's the guy I'd be like the most angry that Timmy could date? I'm yeah. trying to think of someone who would truly ruin you. Robert Pattinson, kinda. I think that would ruin everyone. <laughs> it's true. They could have ruled together in the film. Oh, <laughs> oh cool. the ending we deserved. <laughs> would have brought everyone together. And like he like trips in the mud and he like pulls his mask Goes off and just him kisses him. <laughs> yes, I would love to see it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think that this is. I think it's one of his best performance i don't want to say one of his better performances because i think he's 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 a pretty good actor consistently Mm -hmm. but i do think that this is something we haven't seen him do before and it 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 added a 
a new entry to his kind of palette, like this yep. kind of wordy, stagey. Because I know he, he has done stage work. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't been on Broadway, but I think he was like off Broadway yeah. or something. But I really enjoyed getting to see that side of him, even if the the accent fluctuated a tad. Yeah, absolutely. I think he flowed very well from having to be kind of considering so many different things in his head and then having to like format mm-hmm. that into, okay, now I have to interact and lead. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did the balance between those. Very, yeah. Very like well. he, he, he was a good wayward youth and then he, he, he went on perfect, but he does that like consternation, mm-hmm. but also like bumbling around somewhat too. He did yeah. both of those. Yeah. I feel like in, in a lot of ways, aside from call me by your name, which obviously Elio has a character arc, but it's so, kind of like what you said, it's so internal. This is kind of the most traditional character arc we've seen him have, I would say. Like, with Elio, it's so... It's it's internal self-discovery, where mm-hmm. this one, it's like, oh, he has to step up and be a leader. Like, right. it's so much more than just what's happening in his head. It's about yeah, right. what's happening in the country, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in the war. Like, it's, it's, it's bigger than... I was trying to think if Beautiful Boy had, like, a more traditional, but I guess that's not true. He just does have that relationship with his father. Where he's mm-hmm. like fighting against him and then comes back to him. And then, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of the growing up thing. Obviously, it's exacerbated by drug use. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what the movie is about. But yeah. still. And in a lot of that movie, it's like the cyclical nature mm-hmm. of addiction. There's point. not really like kind of mm-hmm. a, which I mean is, is the point, like, you know, for better or for worse, because that movie kind of has its faults. But mm-hmm. um, there's this, this to me is more of the place that he starts off is very different from the place that he ends. Whereas I would say in Call Me By Your Name, he is in a much different place, but it is much is on a much smaller, mm-hmm. more personal scale. Yeah. And with Beautiful Boy, the point is kind of that he's kind of back to square one. Right. Whereas this is more like a start, and then there's more of a finish. Yeah. And it's more of a straight line. Exactly. No, that's right. fair. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's dig into some peaches, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Josh, one to five peaches. The movie. The movie, I will give a three. I think if it wasn't Timmy in the lead role Mm -hmm. um, and he hadn't performed the way he did, it probably would have been a two or two and a half. Mm -hmm. But I think he increased it by being just outstanding. Yeah, I agree. Will, do you want to jump in with a peach grading since you don't usually get to? Am I putting on the spot Uh, here? Oh, a little bit, but that's okay. I like Uh, to see on your toes. Thank you. I'm going to say two and a half. Two and a half. Right down down the middle. Okay. Okay. those two and a half stars are mostly him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a pretty film. It just doesn't have that overall rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go a little high. I think I'm going to go four. Okay. I really enjoyed the historical accuracy. I was really drawn into the world that the film made. And I, I guess I will kind of say too that my bias is that because I enjoy him so much and he, this mm-hmm. movie is kind of so much ride or die by his performance that is kind of where I enjoyed most of it. Well, it's but the I first time you get to see him dirty. Yeah. I just, it was a new, it was a, it was a whole new Timmy. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. what? I'm not saying it needs to be up for best picture. I'm not even saying it. I honestly, one of the things I actually meant to talk about was when, Will, when we did the trailer reaction, we kind of talked about there was a world in which Timmy could get a best actor. Yeah. Nom. I don't think that's happening. No, no. And it's not because he isn't good. It's because mm-hmm. you need a lot of draw behind the movie. And I think that usually when movies don't kind of get the overall like usually when a movie's kind of down the middle but like a performance is great you really need to be talking about the performance and people just aren't talking about i think we know i think we know where netflix is going to put their best actor nomination money exactly and it's not going to be the laundromat and and i think it's no it's not (laughs) for who none of them oh 
God, the fucking laundromat. That was a movie. And I think also, you know, in Timmy's camp, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that they know that his best shot right now is going to be supporting for Little Women. Yeah. So they're not going to waste mm-hmm. time campaigning him. Uh, will he be submitted? Probably, but he's not going to. Maybe. Right. He could get a Globe nom, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if the movie had kind of gotten stellar reviews, I'd say there would, would have been more of a case for him. But yeah. the movie has kind of gotten just fine enough reviews mm-hmm. that I don't think it's just going to be a player come award season, which is fine. That happens every year. Yeah. Right. And, he and he'll needs... be in a lot of films that he's not nominated for. Exactly. I mean, even though the movie is middling, it's kind of wild. He didn't get nominated for beautiful boy. I really I outstanding. Totally it's... Agree. But it's the same case in which the movie just it got fine enough reviews, mm-hmm. but it wasn't pushed enough as a film. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to remember one performance from a film that we're not going to come back to. It's very mm-hmm. rare that that happens. So, right. And this is, it's kind of a different world as far as campaigning mm-hmm. for awards. Because this is, this is Netflix. This, is isn't, this isn't Sony. This isn't A24. Yeah. This is People are, e- even though they've become a major player and we have movies like mm-hmm. Roma getting nominated for picture and winning director, we still just don't see Netflix as a, you know, well, like a production and, powerhouse and yet. Again, like we, like we said at the, in the trailer reaction, like, I think this is going to be the big year where we see what Netflix is going to put their money behind Mm -hmm. and they're going to, I'm guessing they're going to put a lot of money behind Al Pacino Mm -hmm. and uh, marriage story, marriage story. Yeah. Not the King and not the laundromat. Yeah. Hopefully not the laundromat. There's no one to nominate for the laundromat. (laughs) The usher sweeping the theater. (laughs) All right. Well, we've, we've talked about it a bit, but let's, let's throw him some peaches since Mm -hmm. he is, the beautiful boy at the center of this podcast, uh, Josh, Timmy's performance, one to five peaches. I give him a four, which is not to say that he doesn't do a great job, mm-hmm. um, but there's not necessarily the nuance or the chances of nuanced mm-hmm. emotional yeah. development that he has had in other roles right. and excels at, but that's just not here. So I can't give him more than a four because that's just not written in for him to act. Yeah. Like he did the best, like, like the four is almost as best he could do. It's the highest capacity mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah, I could give him within the context of like what the role demanded of him. Okay. Fair. William. I think I'm, I think I'm with you. Four. I think I'm with you with four. It's a really good performance, mm-hmm. but it does have a lot of bigness to it. Mm-hmm. And I think there, I think those big rousing moments are great. They have, some scenery chew to them but that's what the role demands that's what the role demands a lot of that yeah but there is we do lack a lot of the that inside yeah feeling yeah, yeah i would agree I, I i'm gonna go four and a half just because i think because you have to because uh, no it is not because <laughs> i have to i've thought about this yes this this podcast comes from a place of standmanship but it also comes from a place of film analysis you know this, William. I do. I do. I don't know why I'm calling you William all of a sudden. I've never done that before. It's very, it's heightened. <laughs> it's heightened. This is, this is very English. This is this so is very royal. I really enjoy the range. I, I, it was just something we hadn't seen from mm-hmm. him before. I just enjoyed the bigness of the performance. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed just kind of seeing him play both the drunken, disorderly party boy morphing into the man who has to, you know, reign over his kingdom. I just, I, I think that that was just something new. And I think he very gracefully took on that leading man mantle. And, Absolutely. And even though I don't think in 60 years, is this going to be in his top five, top 10 performances? No, but for, for now, for this 13th yeah. film role, this is definitely mm-hmm. one of his better performances. I think it's a meaningful addition to his arsenal. Yeah. 100%. This, if nothing else, this is showing people, if they weren't convinced before, mm-hmm. like they're, sh- they're showing his range. Yeah. Well, 
let's talk about his attractiveness. Four and a half. Four and a half. Ooh. Yeah. So Throwing it up. I, like I said earlier, this film just fits a lot of things that I really enjoy. And so him in some of those robes that just draw attention to his face. Mm -hmm. He's his mm -hmm. a very pale complexion in yeah. this. Um, but they give him like a little scar on his cheek, which I was mm -hmm. definitely into. <laughs> that scar is um, great. I loved it in the chainmail, in the armor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely ate it all up. Yeah. So I'll say four and a half. That last little bit, the haircut plays in a little bit. <laughs> um, but I really did enjoy how they framed him both in costume and in some of the scenes. I feel like four and a half is a good score. Like mm -hmm. he looks great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. He's so, he's so he's so small. <laughs> Such a small boy. <laughs> I know. And I mean, I feel like so many choices were made in this movie for the Stan community. Like <laughs> we we see him shirtless a lot. Yeah, we see True. him shirtless. We have that shot as he's bending over from the back, and the mm -hmm. priest is anointing him. We see his bare feet. Mm -hmm. You know. That I, that was a very like striking shot. The yes. full like robe mm -hmm. walking in bare. Like I was like, I wish there had been more of that in the movie. Like more of these like images that I like couldn't get out of my head. Like, Agreed. I, I just there wasn't enough of that. Like there wasn't enough balance because I think we could have gotten more of that like that regal pomp. Mm -hmm. But what is really sticks in your head is that dirt under the fingernails. Yeah. At the end. Mm -hmm. And he's so attractive when he smiles, but also that like very solemn brooding heavy is the head that wears the crown mm -hmm. oh i loved that heavy yeah. is the head that wears the bowl <laughs> <laughs> no i agree it's also mm -hmm. four and a half for me um seeing him in chain mail i love the, the party but like i love that mm -hmm. scene where he's got like the whatever is on his head and he's partying with falstaff mm -hmm. and he's like got that like wicked smile right and, and like i mean we'll get into it with the hair but like he looks hot in the bowl cut like i, I mean i agree with you it's just not quite as hot as some of his other hair no because it's we know not his as hot as is. five minutes earlier right yeah. yeah as far as hair is concerned yeah i really i think like honestly like his hottest moment in the movie is like that first battle where like he's in the full armor mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. he still has like the mop of hair mm -hmm. like they really took advantage of the fact that he like grew that hair out like over award mm -hmm. season he was like growing the hair out and he did the os like he really it was like peak long to me and then they just like apparently he didn't want to cut it but they were like yeah hey, it's necessary and of course being the fantastic actor is he understood and made the necessary oh, so you're you're right. it'll grow back yeah right it's gonna come back <laughs> right well let's talk about it let's grade the hair i'm going with a four okay so that's just because we've seen some of his hair in beautiful boy and ladybird which for me is kind of his pinnacle mm -hmm. hair. And so I can't say five or four and a half just because those appeal to me a little bit more. Yeah. But it does allow you to see his beautiful face, which I do enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, uh, I think the director called it an acorn cut because it's, you know, it's all at the top <laughs> yeah. there. It's a little and hat. there's like a lot like taken mm -hmm. off, like on the side. So it looks right. like, like an acorn cap. Right. Yeah. But I kind of like the Peaky Blinders look a little bit. <laughs> Obviously it's different, but, yeah. um, but that mop at the top still and how it like goes out on some odd edges, but also just is a great line right above his mm -hmm. forehead. Yeah. I still liked it. It's just compared to some of his other fantastic haircuts, it's not quite. Yeah. 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 I think oh, I'm actually going to go four and a half. I think, I think that's the movie shows you have the long hair at the beginning mm -hmm. and then the bowl cut while uh, it's not, uh, it's not traditional. It <laughs> seems a little like a, like a bold choice. Mm -hmm. It is the first time that we've seen him in a shorter haircut that wasn't high school haircut wasn't high school character yeah mm -hmm. it yeah. wasn't it didn't have that 
Well, I went to MasterCuts. I didn't know what else to do. Exactly. It is It is the first, like, well-styled short mm-hmm. hair that we've seen mm-hmm. on him, other it, than maybe, like, Call Me By Your Name. But that, it even made that's sense a when you saw right. when you saw other nobles that had that similar haircut. You're like, okay, well, this is this is a bit of a uniform, mm-hmm. and it makes sense for the role. And it, it didn't look bad. Yeah. No, I agree. Like it works. Yeah. No, I... Absolutely. I'm a little torn here. I, I, I think I'm going to go four. But I'm I was I was kind of considering four and a half because I agree I think the reason I think the reason the bull cut got such kind of a, a chain reaction out of the stand community is we really saw it debut at the Toronto uh, Film Festival last year when he was promoting Beautiful Boy that's right and I think it had grown in a little bit so it looked more bull cut mm-hmm. whereas yeah. in the movie it's less of a bulk it is like that a like it, it's 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 kind very of, tight yeah it's tight and it's it's got you, you see the very defined line around his ears yeah it's clean through the exactly sides. so i think in the movie it actually works really really well i think what people were reacting to is his irl hair when it was growing back out i think which, right. which i totally can see mm-hmm. but yeah i think in the movie the thing that's great about the hair in the movie is we get the best of both worlds. We get mm-hmm. the long party boy hair in the beginning, and then we get this really tight, clean mm-hmm. cut that we haven't seen work on him before. The business cut. The biz- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, God, he is putting on a suit. He is going to the job interview. He is going to get the crown. Oh, yeah. Oh, Shit, yeah. man. Good <laughs> for him. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on what we are considering the season finale yeah. of Chasing Chalamet. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. It's been fun to hear other people on this that I know, and so being on it myself is wonderful. Yeah, lovely. Welcome um, to the family. <laughs> Josh, you mentioned uh, Twitter is the one place on the internet that is not uh, privatized for you, so where can people follow you on Twitter if you so desire them to? At I am your elder, so elder spelled E-L-D-E-R, um, no separation or underscores. Great. Um, as I mentioned, this is going to be our season finale, our 13 episode first mm-hmm. season. We are going to be back in the new year. Thank you very much. 2020, we are going to kick off with Little Women. And then we are also going to be covering, uh, as we mentioned before, because we hit 50 ratings on Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts, 25 reviews. We are going to be doing episodes on the Hallmark movie that uh, Timothy did called Loving Leah and the second season of Homeland. That will be part of our second season, depending on when uh, we get the French Dispatch release date. Maybe that can be part of our second season. We have no idea. We have no idea. We have no so clue. Just hold on. Yeah, so be just ready. Be hold ready tight. for us. Uh, moving forward, this uh, we definitely plan to continue the show. It's just not going to be in the bi- mm-hmm. bi-weekly structure because, you know, we there's, ran out of movies. We're, we're out of movies. And as much as I'd love to, we can't just keep a podcast going and, you know, each week sit down and say, he looked great in blue this week. Let's talk about it. I think you could definitely detail and talk about his looks on the red carpet, though. You know, just talking about the king, his looks in Venice were... <sighs> yeah. Did you have a favorite from... Honestly, each one he put out... Give me that sequin like hoodie. It, the sequin hoodie was really great. Yeah, but it felt like each one beat the one before mm-hmm. it. He was yeah. like upping his game, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is, this is not fair. I didn't know that I was going to be going <laughs> through this. <laughs> I really think mine, personally, was um, what he wore to the red carpet of the king, where it was like the like cream right. kind of like not smoking jacket not mm-hmm. smoking jacket and he had like the cuffed pants with the black boot like that was just yeah. such a departure from men's fashion that i was just like mm-hmm. fuck me up even though like i want to wear and own the sequin hoodie more than any 
piece of clothing I could ever want or own. Mm-hmm. That to me was like the defining look of this, yeah. like the King kind of press tour. He sets his own rules and it's amazing yeah. because he gets to do these more casual looks, but then he also nails the ones that are so formal. Yeah. And he never just wears a suit. He wears something more. Yeah. It's beautiful. We love it. Well, thanks Josh. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is on Twitter and Instagram on Twitter. We are Chalamet chasing and on Instagram. We are chasing Chalamet. You can email us at chasing at gmail.com. Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Oh Help. my goodness. Uh, not iTunes, not iTunes anymore. Apple, Apple podcast. podcast. Oh. Sorry. I haven't updated my working script. <laughs> what kind of podcast host am I? Please consider sharing this podcast with your friends, your family, your loved ones, Find the Timothy Stan in your life and pass that good, good content and if, along. And if you're just joining us now, that's true. Go yeah. back, revisit the whole thing. We catalog. got a great spike in listenership from Call Me By Your Name. So if you are new to the show, check back our back catalog. We got some great episodes. We got some awesome content. The and when the movies meh, but the episodes are great. Yeah. Even when the movies are bad, we're good. Thanks a lot, Timmy, for bringing us together. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal is spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. Later.